0: Cold open question for you Wes Goldberg. Does the NBA have a refing problem right now? <laughs> um i think they have a refing problem
1: in that i don't blame the officials necessarily for just trying to do their best with so many rules and i feel like we always try to add more rules and more layers on top of things when we have problems this challenge thing and maybe this should be a foul instead of that and should we be able to challenge this when we weren't able to challenge it before here's my idea just let the officials call a clean game if something looks like a flop it's a just let them call it if something looks ridiculous let them call it a foul just let them Interpret the game more, and I and put less rules on them, and I feel like we might have a solution. But right now, I, I'm sure you're referencing the end of that Knicks game. Like stuff like that happens when they have to think about so many. Oh, did he actually have possession, or was it not possession? Like they have to think about all these different rules. No, the dude ran into the guy's legs. That seems like it should be a foul, regardless of what the rule book says. So do less, less text, less, less rule book stuff. More, just let the officials call a clean game.
0: I agree with everything you said. And I think on top of that, I think being a ref is just insanely hard. And I think it's also better when we let sports and we let every aspect of sports be as human as possible. I can understand Monty Williams and empathize with Monty Williams being really mad at the refs. Wes, when you're in arenas, I'm sure five times a game, ten times a game, whatever, you see Eric Spolcher or a player. MFing a ref, getting in a ref's face. Right. Cavs-Mavs, uh, which we're going to get to because it was just a, a great game. Antonio Lang, who's an assistant on Cleveland staff, was like the consigliere to the refs towards the end of the game because JB was getting so mad. And I think they're like, okay, this is a close game. We don't want him losing his gasket. Let's just like have Antonio go get the explanation of things so we can avoid some of this, like you're just watching it. I think we all like, – and also, I don't want to sit through a bunch of replays just to get things right. That's not a good product. Right. It's, it's not. I don't want to watch no, like the worst thing about the NBA to me is when you get a really good game that has momentum, it has flow. And then the last five minutes, it drags because you're reviewing everything and the TV timeouts are already longer than they should be. And there's all this in arena entertainment we don't need. You're just going to keep making this much more of a bloated thing that makes it harder to keep people's attention. That's a bigger picture issue than, hey, the refs are, are messing up right now. But this is a human job full of human error. I think we got to cut the refs some slack sometimes honestly. And and just make the job easier. They know what should be a foul, but sometimes like,
1: you know, you get James Harden going into the basket and he does exactly what he needs to do according to the rule book and is able to to grift and get a foul in that way, but we all everybody in the including the refs know. It's like yeah, he, he tricked you into that. And that's not really a basketball play. And that's why people get upset with James Harden. So instead, instead of just having all these different rules and these different layers on top of it that make the ref's job harder because they have to interpret what's going on in the court, go into their encyclopedia of the rule book that's in their head and try to come up with the best call in a split second. Just be like, yeah, that play kind of sucked. We don't like it. You're getting I'm calling the foul on James Harden. I don't like what he just did. And just let them do that. Um, I get rid of the challenges get rid of them put them in the i ha, you can have them for the play in tournament and for the playoffs you can have one in the final 5 minutes of each half yeah. that's it get out of here with the the challenges get rid of them let the game go and just let the refs play. if you and i in a sports bar can watch a game and be like that should be a foul
0: then the refs should be able to do the same thing easy let's let's just let's just chill out i think and again money williams i get it but come on come on brother let's we can figure this out and it'll be okay. All right, coming up on today's show, it's NBA Championship Tears time, heading into the final stretch of the season. A lot of teams to get to. Let's dive in. Oh, a spectacular
1: hold by Michael Jordan. Oh, La'Connor James with no
0: reward for human life. with that big body in front of him, trying to look, he throws it out of oh! the alley. To Welcome see. into the Just Basketball Show, your twice-weekly look at all things NBA, WNBA, draft, agency, refs, everything basketball. I'm Chris Manning. Filling in for Brendan Clean today is Wes Goldberg. You can find him at places like Lockdown Heat, Lockdown NBA, The Ringer, Wes all you can eat as well. It's good to have you. I want to tell people about our friend the Thrive Fantasy as well. Thrive Fantasy is a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less on your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. When that's in that season, sign up today with code JUSTBASKETBALL and Thrive will match your first deposit of $250. Wes, before we get into championship tiers, I do just want to talk about Cavs-Mavs. From the other night, and specifically Heat culture product Max Strus, who hit the longest game-winning shot in NBA three-point era history, shot clock era history. That game, beyond the shot that he made, which was miraculous, which caused a whole arena to lose its mind in a game, it felt like the Cavs were about to lose. After Luca, by the way, was incredible. That is the game why you get Max Struess because he, A, is effortful the whole game. He is incredibly poised the whole game. And then you put him back in with five minutes left and he catches fire, hits five threes. The Cavs win the game. like That's just a really good role player. It's the kind of guy the Cavs didn't have last year. And this, this also just felt like a playoff
1: game down the stretch. Max Struess just has a knack for kind of getting up for these moments. You know, obviously for the Heat, the last couple of years, he had the big uh, Eastern Conference Finals two years ago where his foot was erroneously called to be on the line on a key three-pointer in the second half against the Celtics in Game 7 of the Conference Finals. Um, but he made a bunch of shots in that game. He uh, And made a bunch of plays in general in that game. And then last year, the Heat, having lost their first game of the play-in tournament against the Atlanta Hawks, winner go home scenario against the Chicago Bulls in their second play-in game, it's Max Strus who steps up with 31 points, tying Jimmy Butler for a team high. 31 points in that game, making a ton of tough shots in that one. Uh, and that obviously set the stage for the Heat to be the number eight seed instead of Chicago. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, and then the rest is history there. So he's got a knack for making big plays in big moments. It's why my, the Miami Heat loved him. It's why the Cavaliers gave him $16 million a year. It's why... Um, and it's it's why he's got the cojones to go and take that shot from fifty nine feet. It's why Evan Mobley found Max Struess. and also, you know, before that play, he hit four straight three pointers in like seventy seconds to erase mm-hmm. a ten point uh, deficit. And then, you know, Luca gets it, drops off a pass to PJ Washington. PJ Washington with the easy dunk, but left just enough time. Just enough time. For Max Drews to get one rhythm dribble and then pull up from right behind the Cavs logo and swish the shot—unbelievable moment. There's a couple of times, Chris, a year where I'm sitting and I'm watching the games on my couch, and you know, my wife might be in the other room, and I just just scream out, "Oh my god!" or just some or some expletive, and it, it triggers her to just be like, "Hey, is everything okay?" <laughs> from the other room, and I'm just like, "Yeah, everything's fine.
0: Our old friend Max Drews just won the game for the Cavs." The thing that just strikes me about him too, Wes, and I think it's just something Cleveland didn't have in terms of their playoff loss to the Knicks last year, was that he is just composed in every single moment. Like, he is even. even He just hit the greatest shot. I know he hit one of these and when he was playing D2 that was similar to this. I'm sorry, like, no offense to D2 basketball. I I love that he had that before. It's not the same as hitting in front of an NBA arena past the outstretched arm of Luka Doncic. Right. Like, it's just not. It's just not. Like It's just not. The fact that he did that, and a lot of players can do this, but the fact that he does his post-game interview with, with Serena Winters, uh, the Valley Sports sideline reporter, after the game, and it's just like you would have thought you just were interviewing him about, like, the milk he just bought at the store and, like, that right. he got a great deal on, like, some greens. Like, that guy is just not... I'm not saying he doesn't feel emotion, but he's almost like stoic in just how he can process everything. And yeah. that, that is, I think, such an g- important tangible to have on good teams. I think all the really good teams have guys like that ultimately. And this is, this is, this is I think, part of why he's worth what he's worth in the league right now. Yeah,
1: that's why Eric Spolster trusted him down the stretch. I mean, I, I remember even talking to that guy in the locker room and like sometimes he would make a joke and I didn't even realize it was a joke because he is just so dry <laughs> and just so even keel the whole time and he would just sort of be like, and would give you like a fake like Kawhi Leonard laugh every once in a while and you'd just yeah, be, like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay, all right, it's a joke. But then you got to know him and his personality and he was really great to be around and then but yeah, I mean that's just that's just Max Struess. Like he's just a cool guy, and um, and you need those guys. And, and that stuff really matters. You know, we get we get so involved in the X's and O's and the stuff like that, and, and the statistics when we when we analyze the game. But sometimes you just need a dude who just it, it nothing phases him. It doesn't matter if it's a D two game or or, or a, a game against Luka Doncic and the Cavaliers in an important play an important game at the end in the final stretch of the season
0: or in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he stepped up in all in all those scenarios. The other, I think, performance from this game that is worth just shouting out is Luka Doncic because, mm-hmm. hey, Dallas is good. We're going to get some later, so we don't, we're not going to dive into them too big picture here. But 41 minutes for him, 45 points, 17 to 29 from the field, 6 of 11 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line, 14 assists against just one turnover, 9 rebounds. This guy is, and Kyrie, by the way, thirty-six and three for him. Uh, that duo. I mean, a large part of the reason West is for like a playoff game is that's the kind of thing you have to deal with in in a playoff setting that it, the two guys can just overwhelm you like that. And Luca, in particular, we said this about a lot of other guys, and you, you know, I think Embiid kind of comes to my most for this. But at some point, that guy's just going to have a playoff run like this where it feels like he's scoring forty a night mm-hmm. for like three straight rounds. Maybe it's this year. I mean, that guy is that guy is unguardable, honestly. Like he, Cleveland doesn't have like a Kawhi or anything like that. But like Struz defended him, McCord defended him. Didn't matter. He's just not phased by anything in the way he's playing right now. I don't know how you watch Luka Doncic and you're just like not impressed every single time.
1: His his understanding of angles. And the other thing that I'm, I've am i been noticing over the last couple of weeks as the Mavs make this run is like. I We talk I think we do understand like he's just got great body control and he, he knows angles and he's just plays at his own pace. But his touch when he gets like, oh my within God. seven feet of the basket, is unstoppable. He shoots like seven foot like hooked floaters. Like, their layups, and he makes them at that mm-hmm. rate. His touch is maybe the best I've ever seen in that, like, four to eight-foot range. It, it, it feels like it's going in every single time, and that's why I think it feels so unguardable, is because you can stop him from getting at the basket. You can keep him from getting a foot from the basket, but you can't really stop him from getting four to seven feet away from the basket. He's always going to wiggle his way into those areas, and once he does, it's game over, right? And so that's why I feel it look it, it feels so
0: just— uh, um, I, 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 unstoppable is a great word yeah he's unreal all right let's get in championship tiers Wes let's start at the elite level because I, I want to play a little game here and just think about okay can we poke holes in any of these teams make cases against any of these teams the rest of the way here's the three teams I have is the real legit locked in contenders the Boston Celtics the Denver nuggets. And the l a clippers I'll ask you this: is there any team that you feel like I should be putting in that tier in the upper echelon tier that I don't have in there?
1: um no, I
0: think that's or okay. one of them be out
1: yeah i would I would maybe put Denver and Boston in the tier by themselves, and then I would maybe do one other like like one b tier of the Clippers and the bucks, and maybe that's. And uh, just being like reluctant to go all the way in and trust the L.A. Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and James Harden and Paul George and that whole group, because what they've done on the court this year has been undeniably like the looks of a contender. They've been dominant basically every, like, a couple weeks after they made the, the, the James Harden deal in the first place. So I,
0: I, I won't quibble with it too much, but if I had to make an adjustment, that would have been it. They're, they're the easiest one. I think, West you say, okay, should they be here just because they don't have the track record? And to me, if I'm saying, okay, what do I make a case against them with? It's their health. That's a really boring thing. But Paul George is hurt again. Mm-hmm. Brendan, if he listens to this, he's going to text me and be like, Chris, you can't just talk about health. The Clippers, you kind of can't. Mm-hmm. Paul George no. is hurt. Kawhi has the history. Yeah. Harden can break down at times. We've seen it like that. That's a huge, huge. Un- and if you, un- if, if you were gambling, if you,
1: if you had to take a hundred dollars and who's your gambling partner here with the, uh, best bet, best shout, out bet, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, bet MGM, bet, bet MGM. All right. So if you were taking a hundred dollars and you had to place it on a bet MGM, uh, account and say, all right, who am I going to bet to make it out of the Western conference? You could go with the Clippers, but your number one hesitation would be the health. And so I think in that regard, you're right. It's like, okay, that's the team where you have a real drawback. Obviously, like, Jamal Murray could get hurt for Denver, and then that sinks their hopes. Like, anybody can get hurt. But they're the one team where, like, if you were to make a bet right now, that would be the hang-up, right? And so um, I'm, I'm okay talking about health with the Clippers. I have some other issues with the Clippers. They're not, like, big ones, just, like, small ones. I don't know if I'm going to get into that now, but... Um, I have no problem with Denver and Boston being Ooh, a tier, because I just it? trust them more. Well, so what's your, what's a big, give me a big Clippers one. What's a what's big case against them to you? They don't run, and they don't want to. And I feel like in the wrong matchup, that could really cost them. They are second to last. Let me see, I had this pulled up. They are second to last in the league this year in um, in in miles ran per game. You know how NBA.com like, tracks that stuff? Yes. So they're, yes. they're 29th out of 30 in distance traveled and in average speed per their second spectrum data that you can find on NBA.com. They're 29th, uh, they're, they're near bottom of the league in pace. They're bottom eight in the league in pace. Um, and because of that, they rank 29th out of 30 teams in transition defense. And you could tell me, all right, well, Ty Lu will get his team into gear in the playoffs and they'll clean up some of that transition defense stuff. But this is Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden, Zubac. These guys don't want to run. Like That's why they went and got Russell Westbrook because he's at least willing to run up and down the court. And so that's my biggest hang up with them is in the wrong matchup, I just don't know that they're gonna have it in them to to keep up with a team like Oklahoma City, for instance. Mm -hmm. Or even Denver who like to, they, they may not be the fastest like pace team, but they run around a lot and they keep you moving. And that might just wear on a team that does have some of those health concerns. Um, and again, you might people could say, like, well, no, like that's just the regular season basketball, and they'll they'll ramp it up in the playoffs. All right. I looked last couple of years in the playoffs. They get slower than where they were in the regular season, not faster. They get slower. And so I don't know, that would be my main concern in the wrong matchup at a loaded western conference, they might not just want they might they might just
0: fold and not want to run with some of these teams. Yeah, I think that's very possible. I think you would I think the counter I would say to that is just if there's any team aside from Denver that I think could just manufacture a ton of points in the half court and it'd be fine. It might be Kawhi the way he's played this year, plus Harden, yep. plus Tyloo, yep. plus Paul. Like I think they could do it, but it is tricky. To look at the other teams in this tier and what case you can make against them. I don't really have one for Boston West. I don't have I don't really have, like, aside from just, like, three-point variance, again, hitting them, or, like, like again, someone just gets hurt. I don't have something in that team that really freaks me out right now. I just, they're playing at an absurd level.
1: Yeah, the three-point variance is the thing, but I also think it's a real thing, and I think it's a real thing because of the way the Celtics play. I mean, you could talk about it's a make-or-miss league for any team, but they, their whole deal is, we're going to outscore you from the three-point line. That The whole reason that Joe Missoula developed this five-out system and traded the guys like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and Grant Williams for guys like Christoph Sporzingis and Drew Holiday uh, is because they wanted to run this five-out scheme, and you watch them. And when those threes aren't falling – They can short-circuit sometimes. I think Jalen Brown is most important to this team and Kristaps Porzingis because they're at least threats to get to the basket. Brown is like a battering ram. He's just going to plow his way to the basket. Porzingis with the pick-and-roll stuff and the rim pressure that he provides and what he he could do in the post, obviously those things are important. But I don't know that those guys could carry you in a seven-game series doing those things. And if... The Celtics do go cold from three-point range. It kind of short-circuits everything, and I wonder whether or not a team can come in, get hot, when they go cold like that would be the thing like it so it does sort of come down to variance but there are there are layers to the celtics that i kind of want to see more like they're near the bottom of the league in free throw attempt rate they don't Mm -hmm. they're near the bottom of the league in drives they they rely a lot on isolation and stuff and and it works it works it's worked really well they are by far the best team in the nba but if we're looking to poke holes that's where i'd be looking half of boston's losses this year have come in games where they've made fewer than 15 three-pointers um and so they – and I think they went here. I have it here. Uh, yeah, they – there was nine games last year where they made – in the playoffs where they made fewer than 15 three-pointers. So it can happen. Like, if they don't hit a certain water level in terms of made threes,
0: it it, it at least opens the door for an upset. I think there's just always – until it happens, I think, some concern. And I think also – with Tatum I'm like waiting for a series where he just I mean it, it's old school and it's not always how he plays but mid-range and free throws yeah. and kind of like battering ram Jason Tatum is a Jason Tatum I would like to see particularly yeah. in a playoff setting. I mean that there's a path for that in the East as well I think with some of the matchups they could have. You're telling me he couldn't manufacture like 12, 13, 14 free throw games against Malik Beasley or like Chris Middleton who's not at 100% or Jay Crowder like Maybe the Knicks would be like the tricky one, but we talked about that the other day. That's that's also a matchup I think. I loved what we saw from Kane. Okay
1: I loved what I saw from Tatum the other night against Philly. I know there's yeah. no Joel Embiid obviously in that game, but him just in, in in that fourth quarter when Philly kind of got it back to I think a two point game, and he was like, you know what, forget it. I'm just gonna blow by whatever mm-hmm. defender is in front of me, and I'm just any and, he, and he, he finished with a bunch of drives and dunks and stuff like that. He needs to do that. I, like I said, Porzingis, Jalen Brown, they're gonna have a certain amount of that, but if he's doing that, I think it changes their team completely. Um, and I guess the other hole would be like, he's not as good as Giannis. He might not at be as good as Embiid, depending on what Embiid looks like when he comes back. Uh, there are other players in the Eastern Conference who might just be better than Jason Tatum. And you just, I, I think i think Jason Tatum's been awesome all year, but you don't really see championship teams with their best player like Jason Tatum. They're usually just a notch better. They're usually in that like, top five or six tier. And Tatum's probably just a, a half a notch below that. But the rest of the Celtics are just so good that it might not matter.
0: Other team in this tier is the Nuggets. Not a ton for me to say about them. I still think their starting five might be the best single five-man lineup. I trust more than any lineup in the league. Yep. I think the only question is just any concern about depth, any concern considering the youth. There's going to be a point in the playoffs where we would have seen Bruce Brown close last year, and he was so good for them in the title run. Is there just a moment where that shows itself where Peyton Watson isn't good enough or Christian Braun Christian Braun isn't good enough or Julian Strawweather's randomly made a game, I don't know, and like it just doesn't work. Like that's like the only thing I could see really causing a, a frit with Denver West. Yeah, I'm I'm not I, I hear you because we're the whole the whole point of this topic is to try to
1: poke holes, but I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the Nuggets depth. The way that Michael Malone plays his lineups in the regular season is so different than what he does in the postseason. Like in yep. the in the regular season, he'll run out his starting five, the one that you said, they get a bunch of reps together and then he'll just take them off and then he'll just go second unit all the way. And and I think that's why you see their net rating not be as as strong as a team like Boston's, for instance, where Boston will stagger their four stars, five stars, whatever you want to call it. They'll stagger their guys with bench units and mix their lineups that way. Um, But Denver is not going to do that until the playoffs. And then you start seeing those mixed lineups. And yeah, I, you know, when, when Jokic is off the court, this team doesn't play well. But, you know, I don't, I don't see them going with their backup centers that have been kind of hit or miss this year. Uh, we've seen them experiment a little bit with Aaron Gordon at center. It sounds like all the reporting out of Denver is the expectation is that in the playoffs, when Jokic is off the court, they're going to go Aaron Gordon at center in crunch time. And they should. And And they should. And those lineups have been waxing opponents. Um, It's fewer than 300 possessions on the season, according to Cleaning the Glass. But lineups with Aaron Gordon at center, no Nikola Jokic on the court, are outscoring opponents by 13.5 points every 100 possessions. And the two top ones that they have, whether it's with Peyton Watson or Christian Brown in those lineups, are outscoring them by more than 20 points per 100 possessions. So those units have been awesome. Um, So as long as those guys are healthy, the one problem with Denver is, not to keep going back to the health conversation, but if they lose like one guy that could unravel some of the things that they got going on. But I, you know, beyond that, um, I, I, I really don't have any concerns about Denver. I don't.
0: Yeah. I still think I might just pick them to win it all again when we get to play. That's who I had sometime. preseason. That, I had the nuggets winning it again. Yeah. Same. I Jokic is, just, I think just unfathomable. That team is just so in sync. I mean, it's from earlier in the U.S., but I remember just seeing a video of someone diagramming how they were playing team defense against the Lakers, and I was like, this team just knows how to play team basketball, and there's there's nothing quite like it in the NBA when they're all in sync like that, all kind of working in concert together. There's nothing like Jokic as a maestro kind of conducting everything on a team. All right, Tier 2. Just on the outside, looking into the top tier, you would have the Clippers here. I think that that's more than reasonable. I have two teams in this tier. We're not really going to talk about anyone specific here, but it's the Nuggets, or excuse me, the Thunder and the Bucks. Is there anyone that I should be bumping up that isn't here, that isn't kind of just right on the outside looking in, but on the verge to some degree? No, I think that's fine. All right. The Bucks are just... They, maybe the Bucks are figuring out, and they're going to put themselves in Tier 1, but... Um... If you had to bet on one of those two teams, Wes, actually being in, actually being like a, let's just say a third or fourth team in tier one, would you bet on the Bucks or the Thunder? I'd bet on the Bucks. I don't. I, I yeah. The Bucks have a clear level to get to, right? They could clearly be better
1: than what they are now. The Thunder, I think, are as good as they can be, and that might be good enough, by the way. But until we yeah. see that they're young, and until we see them in the playoffs, we're always going to just have that question until we see it. And with Milwaukee, we've seen Giannis win the championship. We've seen Chris Middleton win a championship. We know what Dame can do in the playoffs. We're just sort of waiting. Like the Thunder have clicked; they're together. They they play like like a college basketball team that's been together for four years. The Bucks are the opposite of that. They're just sort of they play like a one and done Duke team. And you're just like, I don't know, do we even know each other? Do we do we even stay in the same dorms? Like they just that's the way that they play. But if they they have the talent that if they click, there's obviously another level for them to get to. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Just Giannis. Maybe the MVP, if you wanted to make that argument like they're playing at a level that's just it's un, it's unfathomably good. All right. Tier three. This is the tier that I have I, the most uh, teams that I'm interested in in, I think. And that's what I've called. It's possible. Right. With a question mark, look, like you could talk yourself into it. You could believe that it's maybe there. And there's a team we're going to get into specifically here. That's the Dallas Mavericks. Here's the teams in that tier, though. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the Dallas Mavericks, the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I put the Phoenix Suns here. That Brendan had them a tier higher the last time out, but I think considering where they are in the standings and all of that and the Bradley Beal hamstring thing, keeping them in and out of the lineup, relying on Bull Bull for minutes. like I, I have this team in the it's possible, but I'm a little skeptical tier. Dallas. Wes, I, I know they just lost to Cleveland. Hmm? I know what the standings say. I know that being in the West means their life is really hard. The fact that they are eighth and might have to be in the playing tournament means there's a very hard path and they could end up having to beat the Thunder and then the Nuggets and or the Thunder and then the like, just, it's a whole rung of teams that they're going to have to go through to actually make a, a finals run. But I think the formula is there. Kyrie is playing insanely well. Luka is just flat out unguardable as we talked about. All of the role guys post trade deadline with P.J. Washington coming in for Grant, Daniel Gafford and uh, Derek Lively, the second, who is not the most expansive player, but is good. They have really good center minutes now. Kleba's still around. I think this team has a lot of the elements that I would look for in a team that could make a run. The path is just really hard, but I believe in the upside of this team based on the star talent and based on how I think all the pieces fit together.
1: Yeah, it starts with Luka and Kyrie at the top and Kyrie has been awesome for Dallas He's been more than happy to let Luka be the best player on the team Which has sort of been an underrated thing about Kyrie throughout his career when he's been available He's been very just okay LeBron. You're the best player on the team. Okay KD. You're the best player on the team I'm fine with all of that and I'll just sort of play his role and and he's mastered that role next to Luca and they've fi- they've found guys whether it's Derek Jones jr or Derek Lively and, and all these and they obviously add PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford and all those things, but You know, I think my one hang up with Dallas is as good as they've they've been offensively and defensively, they've been been top five in the league over this stretch. They've won eight of the last nine games or whatever it is after losing that game. So um, that's all there. But, you know, you go before that, before this, this recent win streak and they were 23rd in defensive rating from October to the end of January. That's a bigger sample than this eight game win streak. And uh you know they've been helped they've been helped by some unlucky opponent three-point shooting percentages during that streak too so i don't know i don't know how real the defense is i think it's better than 23rd i don't Mm -hmm. think it's as good as top five i you know you watch dallas play and their communication is on point they're doing a great job they get deflections and those deflections uh Turn into transition opportunities. Luka's been really good about picking up steals and deflections and then just, and not sort of messing around and just just going down the floor and taking the easy points instead of doing Luka things. Um, And so I think they're figuring out how their defense can power their offense. Their offense is going to be elite in the playoffs. You know, we've seen Kyrie, we've seen Luka in the playoffs. Like those guys, their games are made for that stuff. I just wonder how good their defense is when the stress test of, a Denver Nuggets or an Oklahoma City Thunder come around and all of a sudden they're able to pick on guys like Luca and Kyrie a little bit more when 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 the opponent that they're playing has multiple guys who can handle the ball and are threats to score those are the teams and those are the teams that are
0: gonna be playing in the playoffs those are the teams that I think can give Dallas some problems this is this is the one this is the one team I would say that I, I this is gonna be I think offensive to that fan base. And it's a team I'm kind of rooting for to figure it out because they've had a tough sledding of it and it's a smaller market and and all that stuff. The team that I would of the top teams in the West that I would think if I'm them, I kind of want to find a way to get on the right side of the bracket of is the wolves. So like if the wolves finishes the one seed, try to be the eight seed if you can. And like, you can't really play games ultimately, but like in in the plane, just win and figure it out. But I would rather play the wolves than the thunder. Yes, you would have to defend Anthony Edwards. Yes, I understand how good that defense is, but I kind of would just trust Luca and Kyrie to dissect it and to get Rudy Gobert and switches and do all of that. And then it's really Ants that I'm concerned about, Mike. The fa- I mean, Mike Conley's been awesome for them. It, there's a reason they extended him. The Monty Morris edition makes sense. All of that. I think there's just a. There's a reality where, like, that's probably the most optimal one. And then from there, it's like, okay, like, you kind of got to just beat teams that you got to try to beat again. I I also asked, I want to see, how, I want to just see Luca get a run at this point of his career just to see what he can kind of do. Because I don't really, I, I don't so much care about, like, is he the next guy that's going to get unhappy or anything like that. But we don't really get, considering how. The talent is in the league now. We don't get like singular star teams that really work, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't get teams like there's no 07 Cavs that can exist in the league anymore. Where like one guy and a schleppy supporting cast can make it run. That doesn't happen. This isn't that. I, all the guys they have are solid, but it's the closest thing we have to that kind of team structure where it's so dependent on one guy and then everything kind of going in his orbit. Even the Nuggets, I would say, are a little different just because Jokic. Amplifies in a way that I think Luca doesn't exactly do one to one. I want to see just what this, what that kind of team, how they would match up against teams that are built differently in, in in a really talented league like this. Yeah, I'm with you,
1: and and to your point about like you, they probably would try to get Minnesota because I, I agree with you on that matchup. And but on the flip side, like the Thunder might be the worst matchup for them in the in in the first round, and both of those teams are tied in record at one two in Dallas. Like you said, they're right now number eight. In the mix for that play-in tournament, where you can't really manipulate the standings, so the Mavericks are going to be like they have no shot, obviously, at getting to the top of the standings. But they're going to be like standings watching
0: the top of the Western Conference as much as anybody else because of those matchups. The funny part is, I, th- I think there's a World West where, if like the Nuggets are the three seed, I think teams might prefer to be in the play and than be like the six seed. Yeah, it's crazy. I I understand what
1: you're saying. I, I would. I bet you that that's not true you would rather just not be in the no game no tournament? yeah like, you'd rather just like the say okay
0: anything. yeah yeah it's like I would the, you think the Wolves are a better matchup for you than than the Nuggets like I would I would probably agree I would agree with that I would also probably rather play the Wolves than Kawhi you know yeah. like that's yeah, yeah that's especially for Dallas but,
1: like I was gonna say either the Clippers the Clippers you know, the Nuggets you, and the Thunder are the uh, teams that you don't want to see if you're if you're Dallas but who knows, man? I have no idea. I also know that none of those teams want to see Luka on the other
0: side of them either. So you can, it goes both. ways. Do, do we need Clippers, Dallas again? I'm kind of like wondering yes, if that's maybe just like what we did. Okay, yeah, I think we kind of do. All right, is there anyone else in this tier? West, Wolves, Cavs, Knicks that should that should be higher, or lower? Should we bump, should the Suns? Should we bump the Suns down even further? Like what what should we do here? I understand why
1: we have Phoenix, and you name the tier, it's possible, right? Uh, I I would put. I would probably have personally Phoenix a tier below Minnesota, because I believe in them a little bit more, uh, but I'm, I'm fine with this. The one team I think that you didn't include in here, that I would include in here, is the Miami Heat. I know we did a little bit of a deep dive on them earlier in the week, but they're the defending Eastern champs. I know that their record isn't where it is with these other teams, or their net their point differential isn't where it is with these other teams, but I don't think that matters as much for Miami. And if we're talking about it's possible, like. I think, based on the Heat's history, we have to always consider the possibility of Miami making a deep run.
0: I have a tier for them coming up, so that's a good shout. I have a similarly a similar tier. They're in with one other team that uh, I'll explain when we get there. Let's go to our next one though. Tier three point five, a team kind of stuck between two tiers, and that's one team, and it's called. I'm talking myself into this. And that's the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Warrior Land. Yeah. The Steve Kerr extension. Clay Thompson. Um, some very just real comments about his future and and his thoughts about, frankly, his basketball mortality. Chris Paul comes back, and I thought it looked good and was very helpful to them in his first game back. Curry is still Curry. Maybe not Apex, Apex Curry. I want to start with the Kerr thing, though, and kind of build this out a little bit. Because him signing a two-year extension... To me, more than we already thought this was the last dance, so the Kerr extension tells us how much time we have left here. Mm-hmm. That That's what that tells us. And I think every year, this year, next year, the year after that, the last two and a half years, the next two and a half years are going to be so urgent for Steph Curry in this area of Warriors basketball. That's what that extension told me.
1: Yeah, and it aligns with Steph's contract. His contract is up when Steve Kerr's contract is up now. And that's that. that's on purpose, right? That's not an accident. So... Yeah, we got two more years of whatever this is for the Warriors, and you know who knows what it looks like. Clay Thompson's going to be a free agent. There's decisions to make about Draymond, Chris Paul, all these guys. But um, I'm curious, why do you think you're talking yourself into the Warriors here? I know are, they're they've been winning some games lately, but what about this team makes you feel like it's anything more than okay? They're figuring some stuff out. Versus,
0: can this team actually make a deep run in the West? Number one, I, th- I think it's a respect for the talent in the organization. I think it has to start there. I I understand it's not the same team that won the finals a couple of years ago. Clay hasn't even had, I think, levels that we saw from him that season, that playoff run. I do just believe in the coaching staff. I do believe in, in Curry. I do believe in, I think, the way they've won some games at times. Now, the, the Nuggets, the way they lost to Denver after coming out really hot and then just kind of never having answers or this way did kind of poo poo some of that to me just a little bit in terms of, okay, how much do I really believe kind of how much they compete with the best, best teams. Right. But it's those things. And then I, I think the Kuminga surgeons, the, the pods arrival, I think they're getting good minutes out of all these role guys. And, and, I think those guys are a little bit ahead of where I thought they might have been. There's just a there's a version of this team that I think could exist. And I think it is admittedly very speculative that I could see them just being on a really, really good run here and and making the most out of this. Just because they have the track record. The veterans know how to do it. Kerr knows how to do it. They understand the urgency. And they're getting Kuminga and Bajenski and, and all of this kind of clicking in a way that I think they're going to be dangerous. The, the biggest argument against it in some ways, aside from the track record two this year and, and where we've gotten them, is just they're another team that is based on how they've been to date. It's going to be a very... They're going to have to... Pro, they might have to win two games in the play tournament just to make the playoffs. Yeah. Th- that, like, I'm not saying they can't do that and then, like, go on a run, but, like, the path is just that's just a really hard path to walk when yeah. if you're any team frankly
1: um, I'll start by saying that I love what I've seen from Golden State lately it does figure out that they're figuring something out they have an identity which I think is important playing Draymond at the five they're going small ball it allows Kaminga to be a little bit more of a bat- battering ram frees up Andrew Wiggins to do some things the Draymond Green Steph Curry two man game and that chemistry is still the, 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 the class of the league in terms of two man game chemistry and you know, it's great. It's great that they're figuring some stuff out. I don't buy this team at all as a legit contender in the Western Conference. Like, not even a little bit. I, I think what they're figuring out now is something that can create a path going into the off season that provides some clarity in the direction that they want to go. But in terms of being a legit contender in the West, you already laid out the difficulty of the path that they would have to get to just based on the fact that they're, they were so bad and, 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 and just such a mess for most of the season. But even during this recent winning stretch i mean it's been cupcakes as a schedule here man it's mm-hmm. brooklyn philly without in uh the pacers who have been on a little bit of a slide phoenix that was a good win utah okay they lost to the clippers they beat utah again congrats they post trade uh, post trade deadline jazz the the lakers at home without lebron charlotte you lose against the denver nuggets um, in a game that i thought was a little Bit more of a blowout than than the final score
0: yeah uh I showed
1: and then you beat the washington wizards the least serious team in the nba uh i i'm not buying it there they have against the against teams with a top 10 point differential this is a stat uh from cleaning the glass here are the bottom three teams in the league in terms of uh here are the teams with the most losses against teams with top 10 point differentials i'll word it that way washington obviously 0-21 against the top 10 teams in the league Detroit has 19 losses against the top 10 teams in the league. And then it's Golden State tied with Detroit. 19 losses against the top 10 teams in the league. They're just not up to that par. And if they even were to make uh, a a deep run in the Western Conference, as great as Jonathan Kaminga has been, and right now Klay Thompson is our number two scorer, but I think it'll be Kaminga by the end of the year. But either way, they will have easily the worst number two scorer of any team to ever make a deep run in the playoffs. I believe that if they were somehow to make that deep of a run. They're just, they're so behind what Steph Curry needs in terms of a co-star at this point. I know it's different because you could argue that Draymond is the co-star, but he does all, the, all these other things at a high level that's not necessarily scoring. But at the end of the day, you got to put points on the board. And I don't I don't really trust this team to do that against some of the top teams in the West. So um, I prefaced it with positivity. I want to end it with positivity. I love that the Warriors have sort of figured out a direction here. And I think that they and, and I love that they've got a two year window now, and I think that there's something they can mm-hmm. do in that two year window. But for this season,
0: that window is shut. I think too. Curry, as great as he is, this isn't Apex Curry anymore, and I think that means there's there's less of a margin for error. They don't have as much room to play around and and overcome mistakes because Curry isn't like he's still very very good, but he's just like a hair below where he was even two years ago, I think. And then clay is not clay is just in a different phase now. And like that, you don't have that flame. Like you can get spurts of him. He's had a couple of these games coming off the bench where he comes in and lights it up. But I think you're seeing someone like really grappling with what injuries have done to him. Um, and, and to maybe I'm just being sentimental because I saw these clay comments the other day and he's talking to Sam Amick from the athletic and got asked about, does this change your future, your thoughts about your future? And he says, not really. Quote, Not really. I mean, you still got to examine all your options, but I would love to be a warrior for life. Whatever happens though, I've got a few more years to play this game. So I'm going to enjoy every second. I realize that I see the light at the, see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not sure if I want to play till I'm 40, man. That sounds really exhausting. Th- there is something to, to me that this team It doesn't have because of the Curry extension and and Curry's contract and everything. We kind of know that this isn't all or nothing right now. This isn't the 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 Warriors version of the last dance, but they are pushing up against like the dying light of the sun to some degree. And I wonder if that just spurs something in them, just because we know what that like that. There's nothing. There's nothing to. I will readily admit there is nothing in front of you. Can look on Basketball Reference on cleaning the glass that tells you like there's something here there's just something about this group on a human level that i'm like i just wonder if there's like a level here they're gonna try they're able to hit just because they understand what it takes and they kind of know there's not really much time left to do this i'm with you i'm
1: totally with you like i i covered that team for a few years like that that there is a real human bond with that group and in that organization and a belief that 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 they have that they Probably shouldn't have, based on all the things that you were talking about. Like, on paper, this team should have zero belief, but they've got Steph Curry. He's one of the greatest players of all time, one of the great winners of all time. And as long as he's there and Steve Kerr are there, you know, they're going to believe that they can win a series. But, dude, like, I just don't see it. Like, I'm, I don't mean to dismiss that human element because yeah. there's real chemistry between. Uh, Steph and Draymond and Clay and I, th- I think championship DNA, as much of a cliche as it is, is a real thing. When you have, when you know what it takes to win, sometimes you could just get to that level. But like statistically, if you just replaced Draymond with Herb Jones and Clay Thompson with Tim Hardaway Jr it's basically the same team on paper, right? Like that's essentially what those guys, the level that those guys have been playing at. And you kind of get blinded by the names and the history and and, and everything that shows up on a Wikipedia page about this team. But like, okay, if Steph's co-stars were Jonathan Kaminga, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Herb Jones, (laughs) like would you give this team a shot? Of course not, you know, no way. And that's kind of why, and and then you look at, okay, well what, what would that team be in the standings? They'd probably be around 10th in the Western Conference. What is this team right now? They're tenth in the Western the, Conference. The Western and So, um, you know, again, I don't mean oh, sorry, to dismiss yeah. some of the DNA yeah. stuff, but but you know, that's that's just sort of where they're at. You gotta, gotta you almost have to get past the names
0: a little bit, even when you want to give it credit. Hundred percent. I think I'm I'm in my sentimental sad boy era, and that's that's where we're, we're riding with this. Let's do it. Okay. We'll just let's just the, would like to just see. <laughs> What's the what's Ford. the round, what's the matchup you would like to see
1: if if Golden State were to get out of the play in tournament because we all want to see Warriors Lakers in the play in that's obvious but like in the
0: playoffs in a certain War- game War- series the Warriors I want Warriors Thunder because it's oh, old versus it's old versus young it is Draymond guarding Chet it is the old heads versus the upstarts who haven't done this at all before versus the guys that have been there or done that it is Curry against a team that he hit one of his most iconic shots ever against in a different era of that team. Now that has evolved past that version. Um I frankly also just like for the, for the thunder that might be good for them to even whether they win or lose, that might be good for them to go through like yep. through that. I mean, like, Chat, your body's going to feel like crap after that series, but maybe going against Draymond in the post for like two weeks <laughs> might teach you some stuff about how to play, play of basketball. Uh, Shea would eat that team alive and oh, uh, yeah. he would eat oh that defense God. alive.
1: There's, there's a tendency of perimeter players to kind of get into a Warriors style game when they play the Warriors. I think about like De'Aaron Fox and John Morant the last couple of years. Guys who just should mm-hmm. be getting at the basket nonstop, but you play against the Warriors and you're like, oh, it's three-point heaven. Let's just let it go from, from three-point range where they should not. Shea's not going to do that. Shea's like, I don't even want to take these threes. I'm going to get to the basket over and over and over again. I'm not going to play into Golden State's game. I'm going to play my game. But in terms of the storyline part two, Shea Gildress Alexander, as a rookie for the Clippers, pushed those that, that Kevin Durant Warriors team in the first round. They got a win in LA uh, during that first round series. And that was sort of his like, hey, I'm here and I can handle this. He was great for them in that series. And so it would be kind of cool for him to also face this team. And then for if you're the Thunder, Hey, we knocked off, you know, the the Steph Curry Warriors in the first round. That would give them self belief and be like, oh, we could do anything, maybe. And and might be the worst possible scenario for the rest of the Western Conference if that were the case. So yeah, I'm, I love that. I love that as a story.
0: Yeah, I that's that's kind of now. I just that's all I want now. Frankly, I just <laughs> want that. All right, Tier Four. All right. Not sure they are good, but they still scare me. I have two teams in here. It's the Miami Heat, who I have in my notes, Wes. You can attest I sent them to you. I put in my notes, should they be a tier up? So I even thought about this. Okay. And then the Lakers, who are in there just because I have an enormous amount of respect for LeBron James, even if I'm not sure that Lakers team is very good. Those are my. That's my tier four. That's fine. Uh, like I said, I think the Heat should be up in that Knicks,
1: Cavs, Suns, Timberwolves, Mavericks tier, but um, I I believe them them more and more. They just got two big wins in Sacramento and in Portland. Um, in Portland on the second night of a back to back, they're playing the Denver Nuggets Thursday night, which is a game I am extremely. I think everybody's extremely mm-hmm. interested in watching. And the way that Jimmy Butler is playing, it's the best two-way basketball he's played all season long. He's averaging more than 24 points a game. Shooting is at 56%. Jimmy Butler might quietly back his way into a 50-40-90 season, because he only shoot, he's like shooting 40% from three this year, but only because he shoots threes when he's holding pocket aces. In other words, like when he is wide open and in rhythm and he knows he's going to make it. I don't know that he's even going to get to 100 three point attempts by the end of the year, but he is on pace. And that would kind of qualify him for a 50, 40, 90 season, which is insane. He also needs to get a little bit better from free throws. But um, yeah, like they're the Miami Heat, man. Like, If they're playing well, I don't care what their record is. If they're playing like this, and they're playing well, and they're clicking going into the playoffs, it it doesn't matter what seed they are. They're the team that I don't really care about home court advantage for them. Uh, They've been one of the best teams on the road all season long. In fact, they've been a little bit better on the road than they are at home. They won a a road game in each series to start every series in their run last year, and they're capable of doing it again. And then that way, you just steal home court advantage in the playoffs instead of earning it. Over the course of an eighty-two game season, um, I'm not counting them out. I think they're legit in the East.
0: Yeah, the East. The West is the bigger bloodbath, just because yeah. it's a little deeper. But I mean, this is right now as we're recording. Here's the East standings right now. Celtics are the one seed. That they're that's they're they're going to be the one seed. Yep, they're seven and a half games up on Cleveland. Cleveland's the two seed. The Bucks are the three seed. The Knicks are have fallen to four very quietly west the heat are only a game and a half back of the knicks and then you get to philly who is also only a game and a half back of the knicks closer to the, the knicks are closer to five six and they are two at this point point. Mm-hmm. and then you get into orlando and indiana and chicago and the hawks and a bunch of blah one through six to seven maybe even eight if you if indiana can put a scared into someone in round one if it's not boston um, just based on the numbers they can put up, and I think that the defensive improvements they've made since the deadline, I do think there is the East is also going to be fun. Is there a Heat matchup you would want to see? Like that, if you could get it in round one, you'd be like, sign me up for that, just for what I, for rooting for just interest of of watching it or, or the Heat saying, hey, I think we could beat that team.
1: Yeah, I, I've been gonna
0: thinking about this over the last couple games. Um, well. The beatable yeah. one is Cleveland. I think is probably I, I the answer.
1: Unfortunately for me, probably. i I would want to see maybe Milwaukee earlier than later. If you had to see the Bucks, I'd rather see them earlier than later. Um, and then just from, I, I guess I, you're not going to play Boston because hopefully the Heat won't be in the playing tournament and that won't be an option. But yeah, I would say either Cleveland or Milwaukee. I don't
0: really want to see the Knicks in the first round. I don't want to see them. Heat Bucks in round one, frankly we should get just for the sake of like n- last year, plus the Damien Lillard part of like, I right. just kind of want that for that. Like on top of the basketball potentially being really interesting and pretty grimy, there's just a lot of demons to be exercised. I think in that series,
1: it would be a nightmare scenario for Milwaukee to see Miami. If you asked uh, uh, the Bucks, what's the one team you don't want to see in the first round? It's the Heat. They would rather see the Celtics in the first round than the Heat, just because <laughs> it's like if we lose to the Celtics in the first round, it's not like set the alarms, burn the house down. Like if you lose to the Heat in the first round again, after you made all of these changes, you fired two different coaches, you traded your core uh, core player in Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, you made all of these wholesale changes to your roster because you lost to this team in the first round. If you did it. Again. Or if you if you were if you were even pushed to seven games and you looked wobbly, it would it would be cause for alarm, I think, in Milwaukee. Yeah, do you think they'd let Giannis guard Jimmy Butler this time around or or what? I think they will. Under Doc Rivers, they've been a little bit more versatile defensively. The guys are buying in. I really like what I've seen from the Milwaukee Bucks over the last couple of weeks. I know that they haven't been winning a ton of games, but I think the process has been there. It's been good. They can get Chris Middleton healthy. I think they're a legit team to, to threaten Boston in the Eastern Conference. But this was the show we did earlier this week. Like, when you talk about the East... It's all about like, uh, uh, okay, Boston's the team to beat. We all know that. Which team has the best chance to knock them off? And when you phrase it like that, I still go to Milwaukee and I still go to Miami and I still go to New York. And those are sort of the teams. And I like Milwaukee and Miami a little bit more. I started talking myself into the Knicks for a bit. I know they've been dealing with injuries and maybe it's a little bit of recency bias because they've been losing games, because they've been hurt. I want to see that team at full strength. But if we're talking about teams that can knock Boston off, I like Milwaukee. I like Miami more than any other team in the East. I agree. Lakers, just
0: LeBron. I, that That's it. There's yep. not a lot of other confidence with that team. And they did it last year. Um, with basically
1: the same team and the same coach. I know the West is harder, but... nobody. You can't
0: pick them, but... Like, you can't, I guess you can't roll them out either. The fact that we could also get Durant, LeBron, and Curry in the play-in tournament is just like... Unbelievable. West is really good. West is really, really good. All right. Tier five, not quite in the middle, but not exactly a contender. Pacers, Kings, Pelicans. I feel like I should put the Pelicans higher. Frankly, this feels a little bit disrespectful to them based on their record. But they're there. Uh, they're playing really well right now. They're fifth in the in in the West right now. Certainly not. I don't think in, in a running to push for four. They're three and a half back of the Clippers and, and four and a half back of Denver, but they're ahead of the pack right now as far as staying a, a above the seven, eight, nine, ten fray. That is at least something for them. I think to to bank to bank on and, and rest their laurels on. Any anything stand out to you between Indiana, New Orleans, and Sacramento West?
1: Not really. I think Indiana had their best moment of the season in the playing uh, the, the in season tournament. I think uh, them and
0: the Lakers honestly, the Lakers, like they both they both kind of peaked like pfft, four months ago. Sacramento's however long ago it
1: feels like a little bit of a come down year after their year last year, where they kind of settle in and figure out who they really are. And I think they make, make some. They try. They'll they'll be aggressive in making improvements over the off season, but they're not going to make a long uh, run in the playoffs. The Pelicans are the most. They're the one that stand out because they're so confusing. Cause they'll win like four games in a row and get like a statement win, and then they'll just like drop like three of six, three of five, and you're just like, "What is going on here?" And oftentimes it's just like what Zion Williamson is doing, and whether he's healthy, and if he's engaged defensively, and if he's just doing Zion William things on offense. But I, I have absolutely zero belief in the New Orleans Pelicans, and yet they're still one of the top five teams in the or the top six teams in the Western Conference. I just keep waiting for them to fall into the play in tournament and swap places with one of these teams that people actually talk about. And it just isn't happening yet.
0: Yeah. And then like Zion's getting, I I mean, Zion's had some really interesting moments as of late where point Zion is, I think a very, very hard guy to defend. And that in a playoff setting, I think could be a real differentiator for them if they get the right matchup. Um, The last couple of weeks, I mean, this isn't everything, but they're, They're plus 6.1 per under possessions. They're still like top 10, borderline top 10 offense, borderline top 10 defense. The defense, I mean, it's actually better than it has been on the year, but 11th in the league over the last couple weeks with some, some teams playing kind of absurdly good defense over the last few weeks. They're just like a team. That I, they're not obviously on the same tier to me as the Thunder West because they just haven't had the same success, and I don't think they have anyone as good as Shea. But I, they are kind of in the same class to me of where I kind of just need to see it before I like I need them to like win a round before I'm like okay, now now I take this like fully seriously, and that's kind of unfair to them and to some degree. It is. I think that it's
1: totally the unfair to them, and I take them and I'm I'm with you. I I I give them zero consideration when I'm talking about teams in the West that. Or contenders, they're right there with all these other teams and I give them absolutely zero consideration and that's prob- that probably is unfair to them. Alright,
0: we're gonna go to tier 6 now. Bunch of blah which is a little bit unfair to some teams that I kind of like sometimes within this tier, frankly, yep. including the one we're gonna talk about, but here's the, the, the tier, the, the bunch of blah. The Houston Rockets, the Orlando Magic, the Utah Jazz, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Chicago Bulls don't want to talk about the Nets, but I do just want to just point out one thing about them that when I was doing research for the show, Wes, I was just astounded by. The last two weeks, court in the clean of the glass. This is this is just absolutely horrendous, disgusting stuff here. They're 1-4. They have a point differential of minus 24.1. That is almost five points worse per 100 possessions than the 29th team over that stretch. That is Portland. Their offense, Wes. They're scoring ninety point eight points per hundred possessions. That is nearly twenty three points It's twenty nine and and point four points or twenty twenty nine and a half somewhere around there below the league average over the last two weeks in offense. Whatever is going on in Brooklyn right now. They need to get Kyrie back and have him walk around the arena with some sage and like detox the place because good fucking Lord, it's hard to be that. bad. it's just hard to be that bad when they have they fire the coach that no one seemed to like. And they have a bunch of players that are like, frankly, pretty decent and probably just shouldn't be this bad. This is pretty bizarre. Honestly, the whole season's been bizarre. I think you named this whole
1: section of teams after the Brooklyn Nets. They're the, the epitome of blah. They are the most blah team. Even if Mikhail Bridges is sort of a nice player and Cam Johnson's kind of a nice player even though the contract doesn't look great and Nick Claxton's kind of a nice player and he's up for a new contract. They don't have anybody that is exciting, number one. They don't really have anybody that's like the number one on a good team. They just have like a bunch of dudes. You have the whole Ben Simmons situation that as dramatic as that used to be, it has lost so much steam. Like it's one thing in the Philadelphia market when Ben Simmons is doing these things or on a Brooklyn team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that's, that's getting the national attention. But like even Ben Simmons, and that whole deal, people are sort of tired with, and, and that's kind of been swept under the rug. So, and he's actually been playing lately. Um, I, I don't know, man. Something's gotta, like, you mentioned the Sage. Like, I would just, I know they can't do it, but just start over. Like, whatever is happening right now in Brooklyn is just like bad vibes, bad juju. There's nothing good about that team. And there's
0: no wonder that they can't get any fans into that arena. Who would want to yeah, watch that team? There was a reason Knicks fans have like like invaded and taken over when there's the, the quote-unquote battle of New York stuff to be the second team in that city. All right. Um, other team in this tier that's just worth shouting out, the Orlando Magic, 4-1 over the last two weeks. 7th in net, ninth in offense, 10th in defense. Phillip Rossman-Reich, who does a really good job covering Orlando for Lockdown Magic and at Orlando Magic Daily, noted that And as they've won 8 out of their last 11 on top of their 4-1 and one, out of their last 5, they have an offensive rating of 114.6. Uh, it's a little more respectable for them. And they're actually shooting 40% from 3 over that stretch. It feels like a little bit less of noise of Paolo Bancaro shooting well from 3 and Suggs and Anthony hitting from 3 and Gary Harris shooting nearly 50% and all of that. And I, their offense is still, frankly, hard to watch a lot of the time. It just doesn't work a lot of the time. There's a reason when, like, Paolo hit his game winners. Like, they're kind of shots he pulls out of nowhere, out of his ass a little bit, just because the, there's no structure. But I, I will like this team, Even if they lose in five games, I do kind of just think they're going to be annoying to play for some team in the first round. I don't think they're super dangerous as far as upset goes, but I, there's something about this team that I, I I, can't really look away from, even if there's a lot I want to look away from.
1: They've been an elite defense all year long. So when you talk about like teams that are just going to be annoying to play in the playoffs, they're there, you know, and, and between Ben Caro and Wagner and, and their centers, whether it's uh, Wagner or Batadzi or, or Carter, like, there's just size there. They're physical, like, they're just uh, you got Jalen Suggs chasing you all around the court. Like, that's just not going to be a fun team to play defensively. They're elite, offensively, they're in the toilet. Uh, and that's sort of their story, but yeah, I mean, that that's sort of the definition of a team that's annoying to play in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be who should if they were gonna upset someone. Mm who would it be like if they were going to not like, like, is it like getting the Knicks into like a sluggy series? Like, is that the weird one? Just because like Suggs could chase Brunson around for seven games and like, they just do a, like I don't, I don't think there's a real path for them and with any of these ones, but that might be the one that I would talk myself into at least like stylistically making some sense. My, my first
1: thought was like Milwaukee because you have Suggs to chase Damian Lillard around. Uh, and then you have a bunch of guys with size to create a wall between Giannis and the basket you got guys who could stand up to Brooke Lopez but then I think about uh, the fact that they're not gonna be able to score any points in that series and that Milwaukee's like number one weakness is the fact that their guards can't guard anybody and Orlando's number one weakness is that their guards don't scare anybody so that's probably not it but that was sort
0: of my first thought yeah weird stuff there all right let's go to the last tier maybe sometime in the future you can compete for an nba championship memphis san antonio portland charlotte detroit and the Wizards. some teams frankly in here i'm not sure if they're ever going to compete for a championship but that's that's not my problem west the only team i want to talk about here is the spurs and that's because victor wamanyama just remains a fucking alien uh he had a five by five game recently I, I, if you're not watching him regularly, I think you're just Frank. People are just missing out. The Spurs are not the most watchable team in the league by any stretch of the imagination. They're, in fact, often kind of hard to watch outside of a Vic. But this guy is just doing things that just don't compute to my brain. I and I, it's flabbergasting how good he is amid a pretty bad, horrendous team that's near the bottom of the league in so many categories. Yeah, he's a legitimate top.
1: 30 player in the NBA and that's probably too low already. Um over his last 15 games, 21.1 points on 47% shooting, 38% from 3, 85% on free throws, 10.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.9 steals and 3.6 blocks. He's already one of the top 5 guys according to any sports book in defensive player of the year. That's a little noisy just because of the big name of Victor Wembanyama. I don't think he's quite there, but he's this might be the last year somebody that's not named Victor Webinama wins Defensive Player of the Year for a while. If the Spurs could just be even a play-in team uh, next year. And uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. And so, yeah, Spurs fans don't care that they're losing games. Get another good draft pick. Go trade for Trey Young over the summer or whatever it is that you're going to do. And give Victor Wembanyama some help and then start going
0: for it. I just want them to just be aggressive in whatever way in the summer. I don't want them to wait. The worst thing they could do is wait around for top, for draft picks and stuff. like don't I'm not saying spend yourself into a hole and do dumb things that aren't actually in the best interest of, of Nyama long term. But there's a chance to just elevate this next year and make them be there's a there's a real path just because of him to be respectable next year. I want to see that. That's the bare minimum.
1: Yeah, you've got Wemby, Devin Vassell's giving him good, good things this year, and there's some other like bit, bench pl- pieces that you can toy around with, but go make a move for a legit point guard who could play pick and roll with and Yama, pick and pop with and Yama and all these things, and go for it. There's no reason why you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't have the big expectations of winning a championship, but yeah, go go do what the the Rockets did, basically. Go get some guys
0: and just and be a respectable team next year that people wanna watch just going to look we're going to end up looking at free agents for this summer. Um, Clay Thompson's new home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like uh, no Drew Holiday. Maybe I don't know what happens there but that it doesn't really seem like the one bring back to Martha Rosen. Eh. This is like just such a uh, not the free class to maybe that's kind of it. It's might this might need to be like weird trades. Yeah. I think I Jones. People,
1: uh, Tyus Jones doesn't do it. Like go make a move, like a real, like go get a guy that could be part of, not necessarily your future future, just because of how young Wemby is and what his trajectory is, but if you could go get a Fred Van Vliet type, it's just somebody that raises the floor. I don't know that you need to be thinking about ceiling because you have all these draft picks and all these things, but somebody that raises your floor out of like the bottom four or five teams in the West, that is worth spending money on. Like, I would go after a guy like I don't know what what's Bruce Brown's future. You know, like yeah, what, I like that it, guys like that. You know, uh, Buddy Heal, does he make sense as a floor spacer? Uh, I would be going after guys like maybe Tyus Jones, but I, I just think you want somebody a little bit better than that. But it also depends on who's available.
0: Yeah, free tier market is uh, gotta tell you it'll it finds a way to be interesting. And Clay can make it interesting. Paul George hasn't of the extension, can make it interesting. James Harden could make it interesting, I guess. Um, God. We didn't even talk about Gordon Hayward and the Thunder, but I'm I, I got to just now I'm looking at his name. Got to tell you what's One thing we did not hit on that we just should have that I want to pinpoint. Uh, the they recently when Giddy didn't start a second half, that's going to happen in a playoff series, and it's going to be for Hayward, and I think it, the Thunder might be better for it. But that's that's neither here nor there. This FG class is not good. D'Angelo Russell? Mm. I
1: would I would call New Orleans about CJ McCollum and just see what, yeah, what they, how like they that. value him. Like that to me is a guy who makes sense as a, in a leadership role for that team.
0: Yeah. Fun stuff for them Can we talk Are the, the Spurs? Can we talk about them all the summer? One banana, just unreal. Five by five game at his age, much less doing it at all, is just like What what are we doing here? All right, we're gonna end there. That this has been the Just Basketball Show for February 29th, our last episode of the month. Thanks again to Wes Goldberg for filling in for Brennan Clean this week. Wes, did I scare you for wanting to come back in the future? (laughs) You did not. It was a joy. Okay. All right, good. We'll be back next week. Brennan will be back from England. We'll find out if you listen to the shows. Are not based on the Phoenix Suns jabs we made here. Until next time, enjoy the hoops. I've been Chris Manning. Check out Thrive Fantasy. We'll talk to you soon.